because that's what Jesus tells us to do. Whatever you've decided in your heart to give, give that. Good morning, everyone. Wasn't the worship team just wonderful this morning? They're so talented. It is so great to see so many bright and smiling faces this morning. Some people I have known for a very long time. Some people I've never seen before, but I hope to get to know you. Um, so, hello, um, anybody who doesn't know me, uh, my name is Erin Woodward. I'm 17 years old and a senior at Shasta High School. Go Wolves! <laughs> We've got River Bowl weekend next week, which is when we face off with our rival Enterprise. Uh, so, youth group is a bit divided uh, this week. Um, but we love each other no matter what happens next Friday. Hopefully we get fifth year in a row, I think it is, Sophie. I think it's five years now, um, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, a little bit about me. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I love to try new things, which is why I'm up here this morning. I don't normally public speak. I've never really been in the habit of speaking publicly, but here I am, and I'm very excited to be here this morning. Um, and so, here I am. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, anybody who knows me knows that I like to try new things. And this year, uh, for the first year ever at Shasta, there has been a yoga class that's been offered. And so, I needed to fulfill my last PE requirement because I like to procrastinate and make things complicated. And so, I took yoga this year. And it has been actually really, really fun. I've learned a lot. And... Um, that's where my idea for this sermon came this morning. Uh, so about, I think, five weeks ago, we were starting to learn the basics of yoga. We were learning the, some of the biggest poses. Uh, and one of them we were learning was called tree pose, which is basically where we stand on one foot, and then we find our balance, and then we put one other foot here, and then we like do a couple of things. We go like that. Namaste. Uh, and that is a music stand. Um, and I was having a bit of trouble uh, standing and balancing during this. And there were a lot of people who were having trouble. And so our teacher was like, okay, so to help you guys balance, it should, uh, you should focus on one specific spot on the wall. So as I was doing that, I was actually looking at the red dot underneath the exit lights. Uh, but... Um, when I started doing that, I realized that I was actually balancing well. And I realized that I was looking in front at the girl in front of me who was stumbling all over the place and falling. And I was doing the same. And so it kind of occurred to me. I was like, huh, so that little dot, it's kind of like Jesus. Um, if you focus on Jesus through your life, you're going to stumble no matter what. That's what we are. We're humans. Nobody is perfect. But if we focus on Jesus through our lives, we will stumble less, and we can gain trust in him that he'll save us when we do stumble. And it reminded me of this verse, um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which is one of Becky's favorite verses. She's used it several times, but uh, it is. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, 
let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So this basically, uh, what I thought of was, you have to trust that you're doing what God wants you to do and keep your eyes fixed on him while you're doing these things through your life and following your path and the race that he's marked out for you. And when you keep your eyes focused on that little spot that we call Jesus, we will stumble less and he'll save us and keep us safe from all the craziness of the world. Thank you. Hello, good morning. Uh, I am Lydia, if you guys don't know me. I go to Foothill High School, I'm a freshman. Go Cougars! <laughs> um, so I'm a freshman and it's been really scary going into high school, so I had this verse um, that kind of helped me while I was going through this, so I just wanted to share that with you guys, um, which is uh, Psalms, uh, no, Philippians 6, uh, yes, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So as I was starting to go into high school, I started to develop this fear of going in. I was afraid of being alone and lonely and that I just wouldn't make friends. So I started to pray. I was like, Lord, please help me. I really, you know, I want an anchor there so that I won't be alone. So the first day I got to high school, I made it to my classes, and there was a person that I knew in each of my classes. God had answered my prayer that I prayed. So then fast forward a few weeks, I started to develop this new fear. I had a few friends, you know, from my old school, but I really wasn't making any new friends. I was feeling alone. So I prayed again. I was like, Lord, please help me. I want to make friends and I want this to go well. The fear just didn't vanish. It didn't go away. But God gave me the, he answered my prayer by giving me courage to talk to people. So I started to open up to people and they started to open up to me, which was great until I realized that they weren't so good for me. I was like, oh no, like these people aren't good for me because my parents sat me down and they were like, hey, you're not doing too well. You're getting angry fast. And I realized I was getting worried. I was anxious because of these people because their words started going into me, which was not good. It was really bad. So I had started to pray again. I was like, Lord, I don't really know what you want me to do, but I know that you will fix this. So I left those people and I found myself back at square one again. Not that many friends. I, you know, knew a few people, but I really wasn't, you know, I didn't have that many friends. So I was like, Lord, please bring me a good, solid Christian friend. I really need one right now. I knew that since he answered my prayers beforehand, that now he will answer my prayers today because he is the same God that he was yesterday and he will be the same God today even though he didn't answer my prayer in the way that I thought he was, would. I still don't have a good, solid Christian friend at my school, but he helps me realize that I'm not alone. 
that I have the Holy Spirit right next to me through my whole high school experience, that he will never leave my side through all my trials that I will face. That's what he helped me realize. He also helped me realize that since I haven't gotten a good solid Christian friend yet at my school, he opened that door for me to talk to my sister. He opened that door so that I could talk. Yeah, there she is, ha <laughs> ha. So that I could talk to her and I can open up about how I was feeling. I wasn't really, you know, talking to, you know, people. So he opened that door and I realized that I do have a good solid Christian friend right there next to me and that's my sister. So he opened that door. Not only was she there, but she listened. She didn't, she wasn't like, oh, here's a five-step plan to having high school go great. Like, there is no five-step plan for high school going great. <laughs> that would be awesome, but there's not. All she did was she sat there and she just listened. She was there, and that's all I needed at the time. That's all I needed was for her to listen. So I really just want to encourage you guys to pray, pray and build that relationship with God because that's what he wants. He wants a relationship. He wants us to go to him. So just pray, but also listen. If somebody's coming to you, just listen. You don't have to have a solution. Being there is enough. So that's just what I wanted to encourage you guys to do. Thank you for listening. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sophie, if you don't already know me. Lydia's sister, as she said. Um, and like I said, first service, I wish there was a five-step plan to high school going great. That would be awesome. But yeah, I'm Sophia. A little bit about me. I am a senior at Shasta High School. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and today, I just wanted to share with you all something that I have been learning recently about how God shapes us and is consistently working on us and in us through the experiences we have in life. Um, and so to kind of illustrate that and talk about that, I wanted to read from 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 13. A little context, um, God has basically told Samuel, like, stop mourning over Saul not being king, that he's not going to be king, and go to Bethlehem, find Jesse of Bethlehem, and see his sons, because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So basically, God is sending Samuel to go to Bethlehem and see Jesse and tell which one of them is going to be king. And so, 1 Samuel uh, 16, 6 through 13 this is while he's there looking at all the sons in Jesse. So it says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, but Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. The sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome, with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said to him, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on, 
and Samuel returned to Ramah. So, when we look at this passage, typically we think about how God chose the least of the brothers, David, the lowly shepherd, to be king. And that's something so beautiful and profound in of itself. But today I want to focus on what happens after this part of the story. Because after this, David does not become king right away. In fact, he doesn't become king until he's like 30 or something like that. And there is a lot that happens between now and he's living his shepherd life with his brothers and when he becomes king. And so I think it's important not to disregard everything that happens in there. Because a lot happens. He's fleeing from Saul, he defeats Goliath, and so much more. And God uses each and every one of those things to shape him to become king. The fact that it took a while for him to become king, even after he had already been pronounced king by God, does not mean God was wrong or that God was mistaken or something like that. It's that God called him king then and there, and then he used everything in that time purposefully to prepare him to be king and to shape him. Um, and so in youth group a couple weeks ago, we were actually reading this passage, and we were talking about this analogy of a potter or a sculptor. And w this artist, like when they're sculpting something, they take their material, like a block of wood, and they call it what it's going to become, even though it doesn't look like it yet. So if I'm a sculptor and I have this block of wood, and I'm going to sculpt it to become a beautiful rabbit, I would call it a rabbit, even though it's still a block of wood. You all would look at it and say, that is a block of wood. That is no rabbit. What are you saying? You're crazy. But I, the sculptor, say, oh, no, this is a rabbit. This is what it's going to become. And in the same way, God does that with us. And if we look at Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And just like a sculptor looks at a block of wood and says, this is going to become a rabbit, or this is going to become a tiger, or whatever beautiful sculpture it's going to become, God looks at us and says, this is going to be my masterpiece. He looks at each and every one of us and is like, this is going to become our, my masterpiece, even though we don't look like that yet. And every time I heard this verse before, like recently, I would think like, oh yeah, I'm God's masterpiece, like I'm beautiful the way I am, I'm perfect the way I am, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of, but I didn't really believe it because when I looked at myself and I reflected on myself, I didn't see that. I saw all my mistakes and imperfections. And so I was like, how can that be true? Like, I believe it, but like, I don't get it. Like, I, you know? And so looking at this idea of God being the potter, the sculptor, and that, yeah, we aren't a beautiful masterpiece yet. And the people of this world aren't going to look at us and necessarily see a masterpiece. But God knows what he's creating us to be. And just like in David's life, God called him king, even though he wasn't king yet. But he knew he was going to become king and that God was going to shape him to become king. And so I wanted to use an example from my own life where God, I've seen God doing this in my own life with you all, where God has been shaping my block of wood to become um, working on my trust with him and increasing my trust in God. So uh, going into my freshman year of high school, we went... Uh, some of us went on a missions trip to Belize. And this was like my first time that I would fly on a plane since I was like four years old. I was scared to say the least. I was getting on the plane and I was getting really anxious and then I got there and I saw that there wasn't a seat next to anyone I knew. And I was not expecting that and so I just started crying. 
in fear. And I got to sit next to Kylie because Becky was nice and gave me her seat. And it was all good. Life was all great, you know? But flash forward almost four years later, this last summer, we were coming home from the Life Conference from Florida. And there was some complications because of a storm or something. And so they were having to like redo the flights or something. And Becky was talking with the lady at the airport trying to figure it out. And I could overhear bits and pieces. And it's like, we might have to stay another night or someone might have to fly them in themselves. Who knows what's happening? <laughs> and so I was just, just praying to God because I was like, you know, God, whatever you want. Like, if you want me to take one for the team, sure. If you even want me to fly by myself, even though that's really scary, I will because I know that you are with me because I've seen it happen in the past and like everything you've done in the past has shown me that you are here with me and has prepared me. And so then I told him like, I give it to you, God, whatever you want me to do. And then I kid you not, like a few minutes later, Becky was like, Sophie, you're gonna fly with Luke and you're gonna take four flights home instead of two and it's just gonna be you two. So have fun. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like I was really surprised because I just had this peace and I shouldn't have been surprised, I mean, God. Um, but I had this peace, and, and I just trusted God. And even though it was hard, it wasn't easy. Like, it was tiring and everything. But God was with me through it. And I knew he would be because he's been with me in the past. But if you had asked me to get on that plane with one other person and take four extra flights home when I was already really tired, my, going into my freshman year of high school, I don't know if I could have done it. And so that's the beautiful thing is that in his own timing, God has worked in my life and in my relationship with him and my trust in him and shown me like how to trust him more through my life through between the time between those two flights and so I just think that's something I really wanted to touch on today and to illustrate for you today is just like God called David king then and then worked through his life to create him to be king just like God told me like you can trust in me and then worked in my life so that way I could trust in him the way I did coming home from Florida just like how he calls us his masterpiece and then continues to work on us because we're not a perfect, complete work yet. God's going to continue to do that in each and every one of your lives. No matter how old or young we are, God's going to work on something in our lives, and he is working on stuff in our lives. And so when I just want to encourage everybody that if you're going through something particularly hard, if you're having a rough patch, or even if you're having a high, like just remember that God is with you. And that he's going to be using that to do something beautiful in your life and to continue to shape you into his masterpiece. Thank you. Ah, that was even better than first service. Now I really can't follow you. Uh, all right, so I'm Becky Erickson. Um, hi. And that was our road trip. You didn't talk about your road trip this time. I know. That's okay. That wasn't for the service. Um, but anyhow, as you can tell, we've been talking about David, right, and David's life. And the thing that I love most about David is the fact that throughout his life, we just clearly see his trust in God. We can see how much he trusts God moment after moment from the downs, the lows, where he turns back to God and he knows that God's going to bring him back, right? He's going to accept him again up to the highs where he's dancing in the streets, right? He's always there. He's always trusting God. Um, so the story that I wanted to look at was the one that everybody knows. It's the story of David and Goliath. So after he declares he's king, he's gone back, and he's sitting there tending the sheep, being bored, waiting for God to do something. Um, it, there's a big war between the Philistines and the Israelites, and 
Jesse, David's father, says, hey, I need you to take some food, and I'd like you to take it to your brothers who are fighting. And he's like, yes, probably. I don't know if he said that. All right, and then so he takes this food. He takes it to his brothers. He gets to the battlefield, and there's, like, no battle, right? And then this giant comes out, and he's just like, Roar, you know, your God is dead. He's got nothing left. There's nothing for you. I don't believe in your God at all. And David, David's like, what? Anybody see that? Like, what? Why is nobody? And the Israelites are cowering in fear, right? And David's like, no, what just happened? Are you looking? Oh, what? And he gets all animated and and running around the camp and asking people, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, right? And, and his brothers are like, sit down, be quiet. Hey, there's nothing. You can't do anything about this. And David's like, no, 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 no. He defied God, right? And he keeps going until finally he's before the king. And the king tells him, uh, you can't do this. You're too little. You're too young. And this guy is a giant. And he's been fighting since he was a youth. It's not possible. And what I want to focus on is David's response to the king. Note the king of all of Israel. Do we have it? And na, na, na. Okay. But David persisted. Note that he had to keep going, right? I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock... I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. And we all know the end of the story. Little bitty David slays the giant, right? So what gave David so much confidence to face Goliath in this challenge? He trusted God, and he says it right here. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He wasn't confident in who he was. He wasn't confident in his skills. He was confident in the fact that he had seen God work before. He saw God work with the lion. He saw God work with the bear. And now he was like, well, God's going to work with the Philistine. He didn't see the giant. He saw God. And he said, I don't care how big you are. The God of Israel, my God, Yahweh, he's bigger. And you're done. We've been talking about trust today, and we were talking about this idea of trust. Like, how do we build trust with people? We don't just trust anybody. I don't run up to somebody else and be like, hey, I have all these problems. Can you help me with them, right? And we don't do that. We have a fear, right? But we build trust. We start talking to somebody, and we say, you know what? I've got this thing. And then that person holds that, and they keep it for us. And they don't share it with a bunch of people and they're there for us, maybe they pray for us, whatever they do. But it builds a little bit of trust inside of us, and we say, oh, okay, I can trust this person. And they become trustworthy, right? But it's something small. We never start out with our greatest, biggest problem. 
and our greatest fear. It's something tiny usually, right? But then I find out, oh, you are trustworthy, and I share the next thing. And then I realize that you're trustworthy with that, and I share the next thing. And that's what hopefully you're seeing in these kids, modeling, right? You're going into high school. you got to know that God's right there with you. Amen, hallelujah, right? <laughs> because that's, not, that's building trust in a single moment. And then you're going to go to college, and you're going to be on your own, and you got to build that trust. And, and because you already trusted God in this situation, it makes it, you know, maybe, maybe it's possible he'll be trustworthy again. And then he shows himself trustworthy again. And then you get out, and now you're on your own. <laughs> and you got your first apartment, your first job, all of these other things, and you're starting to freak out. And then you realize, hang on, God was with me here. He was with me here. He's going to be with me again. And all of a sudden, this understanding of who God is, this knowing that he has never left you, creates inside of you a trust in him that you can carry on. And when you face that next big giant herder where you might be alone, there's no question in your mind, oh, he's with me. And this is a giant hurdle, but he's with me. And I'm going to get over it because of who he is. So when we're working on trust and we're thinking about trust, it's super important to remember two things. You got to know who you're trusting. And the person we're trusting is faithful. He is good. His actions and his thoughts towards us are good and loving and kind. He is just. And if you need to know more about who you're trusting, there's an entire book. <laughs> it's like this long. <laughs> and it's super long, and it tells us all about who he is. And you can open it up, and you can just read it. And you'll learn more about who he is and why you can trust him. And that God who's in there is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in this world where everything is changing moment by moment and day by day, he's not. His character is the same. His heart is the same. His heart towards you is the same all the way through. And then remember to start small. It's okay if you're not like, hey, I have this big, huge thing here, and you just hand it over, because it's just not just, that's just not how we build trust, right? Sometimes we hold on to things, and we're like, oh my gosh. It's okay to just, your first prayer can be, God, will you please help me to want to let you have control of this? That's a good prayer, right? <laughs> just maybe, like, give me the desire to want to release this to you. It's a good start. And then little by little, as you release it, as you trust him with one little piece, he's going to show himself to be faithful. And he's going to show himself to be trustworthy. And a while down the road, you're going to go, oh, look at that. <laughs> I gave it to him, and it worked. Right? And it, it'll be a beautiful thing. It's going to be beautiful. So sometimes when we're not trusting God with things, which is pretty much all the time, because here's what happens. We get past the lion and we get past the bear and we stand there and, then, and we forget about the lion and the bear. And we see Goliath and we're like, oh, oh no, that's too big. That's bigger than me. And we've forgotten what happened behind us. Sometimes for some of us, all it takes is, that verse says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Why? Because if you're still, you can remember. You can take back and you can say, 
oh, I remember when you were, you were faithful here. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he'll do this. He'll bring all these things back to your mind, right? I remember when you were faithful here. And when you look at this giant, remember that I am God. And I am way bigger than that giant. And in the same way that I was faithful there and there, I will be faithful here. And now you can stand your ground in whatever you need to trust God with. Sometimes all we need to do is have a reminder, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I remember, I remember now. Oh good, I'm being stupid. Let's move on, right? And we can release it to God. Sometimes we're holding on to things a little more tightly. And that's okay. As long as we're still pursuing after God and we're saying, I want to trust you. I have a desire to trust you. I want to put this out there. And we're still after him with our heart because he'll show us how to do it. And we can pray, God, show me how it is that I can trust you with this. Show me what I can do to give you a little peace so that I can open up the rest of my hand. And he will do it. You, we have to expect him to answer because he does answer. And he answers every single time. We just don't always like it, right? Sometimes we harden our hearts. Sometimes we put it out there and he says, this is what I want you to do. And you're like, ah, no. Feel like I got a better idea. And we pull that back. It's just who we are. Try letting it go again, if that's what you've done. Try saying, you know what, God? I trusted you with this, but then I, I didn't like your answer, so I pulled it back. So I'm going to let it go again. And this time I'm going to follow. This time I'm going to trust you. So this is kind of what we were hoping to kind of share, whether it's from these guys' lives, our lives, whether you just need to look at your own life. And remember all the times that God has been there for you, done things for you, miraculously worked in your life, so you can trust him with whatever it is you're holding on to right now. And you can give that back to him. So we're going to spend the next couple of songs. Um, the worship team's going to come up. And where you can kind of just declare that trust to God. And say, hey, I do trust you, and here's the thing I want to offer you. Um, and we just hope that you kind of pray and worship while you declare those things to God. Well, as we close this morning, first of all, I want to thank guys and gals for all the leading of the service this morning, the awesome job you all did this morning. Thank you. There are certain parts of this service that I will remember better than others. Um, I, you know, it's amazing kind of the perception that our youth get of us. It was, it was an interesting thing. I, don't, I, I think I'm always going to be conscious now when I do announcements. <laughs> this kind of thing. This is how this works. Uh, in spite of what Becky said about the things that we remember as we grow older here, that, you know, Scripture talks about, especially in Peter's epistle, 1 and 2 Peter, he is constantly talking about uh, us to remember and to remind us of things. And that's what these these gals have done for us this morning is to call us back to remembering these truths that we can just go along in life and, and, and just kind of take for granted or just kind of maybe not pay attention to. And maybe not so much we forgot, but maybe we just haven't really thought about them and, and focused on them. And maybe we forgot to. Things like what Aaron shared, the fact that we need to focus on Jesus as we're walking through this life. That with Lydia, and she shared with us that, you know, God is with us. 
that even no matter what there, he is right there with us, and, and we can rely on him for that. That is so be reminded us that, that we are God's masterpiece. He sees that finished product. We see the block wood. He sees he sees what that what we're gonna become. He already knows that. We are his workmanship. And then what what uh, Becky was sharing with us about trust, that we can trust God. That that's never changed. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me close with this passage out of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24 as our closing prayer this morning. And Paul writes this to the Thessalonians. May the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed.